0: Yesterday marked the first full day of President Trump's impeachment trial. The trial consisted of House impeachment managers talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. talking. Twelve hours, upwards of 13 hours of talking. And I was up watching until the very last minute so that you wouldn't have to. That's my service to the American public. We will examine the most important moments. Then Hillary throws shade at Bernie. President Trump wrecks the weak elites at Davos, and we announce a fun new project. We actually announce two fun new projects, all that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. I have not slept in days. I've just been so absolutely riveted by the droning tedium of Adam Schiff And the House Democrat impeachment managers. You know, within this 12 or 13 hour nonsense, there actually were a few really key moments. Shows you the radicalism of what's going on right now in our Congress, particularly on the left, the threats that poses to our Republic. We'll get to that in a second. But first, speaking of threats, it's very, very important to protect your identity. Do you want a New Year's resolution that's easy to keep? There's a very simple one resolve to help protect your identity and your personal information with LifeLock identity theft protection. LifeLock gives you everything you need. They alert you to potential threats about your identity. Only one in five identity theft victims are really going to find out about it quickly. You've got to do it now. I I know what you think. You think what I used to think, which is that Nobody wants to steal your identity. Nobody's going to get your data. It's not a big deal. That's the sort of thing that happens to somebody else. That is not true. It is happening. Nobody is totally safe from it. Everybody's got your information out there. So make sure to protect it. Right now, you can get LifeLock, which is the protection that I use and I personally rely on. You can get LifeLock for up to 25% off your first year. Do it right now. I know this is one of those things that you just are going to put off into the future, right? You say, oh, okay, I'll worry about that tomorrow. I'll worry about that the next day. Well, guess what? Eventually, it's going to be too late. You can you can take great steps to stop identity theft, but you got to do it now. Go to lifelock.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That's lifelock.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, for up to 25% off. During this 12, 13 hours of absolute nonsense, there were some important moments. Adam Schiff is really the bearer here of the unconstitutionality. He made a lot of just completely mistaken arguments yesterday on the Senate floor. He first opens up by assailing, lambasting the Trump White House for involving the courts in impeachment. And this is really key. It's key to understanding the the democratic argument here with impeachment. Schiff's argument is that the, the judiciary, the courts, are supposed to have absolutely nothing to do with impeachment whatsoever. Now they make the further argument that the House should only be able to impeach after they exhaust all legal remedies. As if the Constitution says the House shall have the sole power of impeachment. Asterisk but only after it goes to court in the district court then the court of appeals and then on bank, and then the supreme court and it's remanded and they go back up the chain and it takes years why didn't the founders require the exhaustion of legal remedies because they didn't want to put the impeachment process in the courts all right as with most political speeches there was a little tiny modicum of truth to what adam schiff was saying but the overall point he's making that the judiciary is excluded from from impeachment is just not true. How do I know it's not true? Because Adam Schiff was making this argument yesterday in front of chief justice, John Roberts, who was presiding over the whole impeachment trial because that's what the constitution demands that he does. Obviously, there is a role for the judiciary here. What Adam Schiff wants to pretend is that impeachment is 100% about the house the House of Representatives. Uh, Okay, well, if it's all about the House of Representatives, how come you, Adam Schiff, are making this argument in the impeachment trial in the Senate? Obviously, it's not only about the House of Representatives. It also involves the Senate. How come you're making that argument in front of the chief justice who's presiding over the entire impeachment? Our founding fathers gave us a balanced government. There are checks and balances so that not one, bra- one branch of the government does not get too much power and take over the other two. So you've got the balance here between the executive and the judiciary and the legislature and the legislature is broken up between the House of Representatives and the Senate. Adam Schiff wants to gloss all over that because this is a power grab. It's a power grab, not just for the House of Representatives. It's a power grab for the left. It's a power grab for Democrats who never got over the fact that they lost the 2016 election. And so they're trying to steal the 2016 election. Again, they're trying to overturn that. And in the process, they're trying to steal the 2020 election, which was the very argument that one of President Trump's lawyers, Jay Sekulow, made yesterday. President Trump's other lawyer, Pat Cipollone, was having none of Adam Schiff's argument. So Pat Cipollone is the White House counsel. He comes out and absolutely shoots down Schiff's dumb argument. They had a court date. And they withdrew the subpoena. They evaded a decision. And they're asking you to become complicit in that evasion of the courts. It's ridiculous. And we should call it out for what it is obstruction? For going to court? It's an act of patriotism to defend the constitutional rights of the president. Because if they can do it to the president, they could do it to any of you, and they could do it to any American citizen. And that's wrong. And Lawrence Tribe, who's been advising them, I guess he didn't tell you that in the Clinton impeachment, he said, it's dangerous to suggest that invoking constitutional rights is impeachable. It's dangerous. And you know what? It is dangerous, Mr. Schiff. Pat Cipollone came right out swinging yesterday. I thought he did an excellent job as Trump's counsel, as his White House counsel. Generally speaking, I think the Republicans did a better job than Democrats. The Democrats made one really smart move, which was at the top of it. Adam Schiff came out, and instead of making arguments about calling witnesses or about the procedure of how this impeachment trial is going to go, which was supposed to be what they were talking about. Instead, he decided to use the opportunity to make his opening speech to the American people. After that, though, Democrats seemed to lose sight of that. And it just became repetitive. It was the same old thing, same old arguments being made to the senators. Whereas Trump's team, Cipollone and Seculo, were clearly making their arguments to the American people. They were making their arguments to the television cameras. And he's, he's absolutely right. You know, when you, when you talk about the justice or the injustice of this trial, what the Democrats are trying to say is that this isn't a trial. It's a cover up. That's the new slogan. That's the bumper sticker they're saying. This isn't a trial. It's a total miscarriage of justice. Well, what have we seen so far? So far in this impeachment charade, you've got the House calling witnesses and the House has tried to get the absolute most damaging testimony that they could against the president. Trump hasn't been able to call any witnesses has he? Trump hasn't been able to cross examine any witnesses has he? Trump hasn't been able to make any of his case whatsoever. It has been completely one-sided from the House of Representatives. Then once the House exhausted their their witnesses, they called all the people they wanted to call, then they wanted to call some other people and then they got a little pushback and then they backed off because they knew it was going to have uh, difficult political consequences for them. Now They impeach the president, it goes to trial, and they're complaining that they can't get any more witnesses. They had their chance. They have run roughshod over the norms of this country. They've run roughshod over justice from the very beginning of this. Now it's somebody else's turn. That's the argument that Trump's team is making, and it's a very good argument. The most sensationalist speech of the day came, of course, from the Senate minority leader, Chuck Schumer, because the most dangerous place in Washington, D.C., is between Chuck Schumer and a camera. The man loves the sound of his own voice. All right, it's an occupational hazard when you're in podcasting, media, politics, but Chuck Schumer really raises it to the level of a high art form. We will get to Schumer's very, very poor argument in a second, and then we will watch President Trump's lawyer just absolutely smack that uh, down Uh, That We haven't even brought in the media yet, by the way, because if you think the arguments from the Democrats were bad, just wait until you hear the arguments from the mainstream media. Then Hillary Clinton throws some shade at Bernie, which is my favorite news story of the entire day. First, we got to thank our friends over at Keeps. If you were watching that uh, impeachment trial yesterday, you'll notice some of those poor senators, they didn't do what they could to keep their hair when they were young men. And now they're bald and they don't look so great. I am not exactly an Adonis of a man, okay? I am not exactly the most athletic, hulking guy in the world. But I always did pretty good with the ladies because I had a nice head of hair. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. That's the bad news. The good news, with today's advances in science, keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss and help you keep the hair you have at half the cost of your local pharmacy. You do not have to go broke to avoid going bald. You don't, but you've got to start now. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You, you, Maybe you've tried them before, I guarantee you, you haven't tried them at this price. And Keeps now offers a prescription shampoo to help keep your scalp healthy, too. Keeps has just done a tremendous job. What can you do right now? Keeps treatments start at just $10 per month, plus for a limited time, you can get your first month for free. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to Keeps.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to receive your first month of treatment for free. Come on, fellas, give yourself an advantage, even if you're not a hulking Adonis. you know, Take the same strategy I have. Keep the hair you got, K-E-E-P-S.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. So, obviously, the most dangerous place, not just in Washington, D.C., but I think in the known universe, is between Chuck Schumer and a camera. And he gave a great performance yesterday, as always. His rage was focused almost entirely on Republicans' decision not to permit new witnesses in this stage of the trial. They already had their witnesses during the initial impeachment investigation, and they voted on impeachment, so now they're just adjudicating the evidence. Now, because they're desperate, because they didn't get him on anything, Democratic senators want to pretend that witnesses were never called in the first place. Here's Chuck Schumer.
1: The McConnell resolution will result in a rush trial with little evidence in the dark of night. Literally, the dark of night. If the president is so confident in his case, if Leader McConnell is so confident the president did nothing wrong, Why don't they want the case to be presented in broad daylight? On something as important as impeachment, the McConnell resolution is nothing short of a national disgrace. This will go down, this resolution, as one of the darker moments in the Senate history, perhaps one of even the darkest.
0: One of the darkest moments in Senate history that the Senate is conducting an impeachment trial in almost exactly the same way they conducted the impeachment trial of Bill Clinton 20 years ago. One of the darkest moments in Senate history. Other dark moments in Senate history. You've got the caning of Charles Sumner, the senator who was almost killed in a altercation about the Civil War. You've got Democratic Senator Theodore Bilbo giving one of the longest filibusters in Senate history to stop passage of an anti-lynching law. thats a pretty dark moment, I guess. You've got a number of senators over the years who were censured and even expelled for treason, for being involved in coup d'etat against the government. Uh, those, are, those seem like pretty dark moments in Senate history. Following the Constitution and conducting an impeachment trial doesn't seem like the darkest moment ever, but Senator Schumer is given to hyperbole. Senator Schumer wants witnesses. The trouble for Senator Schumer, this is the trouble for all these guys who have been around a long time in politics. The trouble here is that Chuck Schumer is on the record from the the Clinton impeachment, which was a little over 20 years ago, explaining why there is no reason after the House has investigated and impeached to have any more testimony from witnesses during the Senate trial. Let me say this idea that they didn't have to call witnesses in the House and
1: they should call them in the Senate doesn't make sense. You call witnesses before a grand jury and you call witnesses before a trial. So there were some on my side, I was not among them, but some on my side who argued strongly that they ought to call witnesses and they resisted it every step of the way. There has not been a good explanation why 60,000 pages of testimony was good enough for the house but isn't good enough for the Senate
0: this is the downside of cameras <laughs> Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer's never had a thought that he hasn't put on a uh, television camera and the trouble with that is now we can look back look there's a lot of hypocrisy that's going around on this impeachment questions mostly on the left but a little bit on the right too, a little bit with Republicans too even with nonpartisans or what you might call civil libertarians like alan dershowitz who is a lifelong democrat lawyer who happens to now be on trump's legal team but only in a limited way to defend the constitution alan dershowitz said during the clinton impeachment that there was not a particularly strong legal requirement for impeachment in other words you didn't have to commit a narrow definition of a crime in order to be impeached he's now changed his mind on this and he was asked about the difference of opinion. And at least Alan Dershowitz to his credit came out and said, oh yeah, I changed my mind. I know more now than I do then. I'm a scholar, I'm a Harvard professor, that what we do is we learn things over time and I was wrong and I own it. At least Alan Dershowitz is owning it. The rest of these guys don't wanna own it. Chuck Schumer just wants to evade the question. Schumer thinks this will go down as one of the darkest moments in Senate history. It may, it really may but not for the reason Schumer thinks. One of the darkest moments in Senate history came in 1868, and that was when the Senate almost removed President Johnson from office because they didn't like him. He he had not committed an impeachable offense. They just didn't like him, and they were about to remove him from office, and then his presidency was saved, and our constitutional order, you might say, was saved, By the one senator who decided not to vote to convict. And what this did, the reason that this was so important, regardless of your views about 19th century presidents, is that this maintained the constitutional principle that the legislature doesn't just get to remove presidents that they don't like, that the president does not merely serve at the pleasure of the legislature, that there actually is a separation of powers here. There is a constitutional order that is not based merely on political raw interest, but is actually guided by principle and by the guardrails of our constitution. President Trump's personal lawyer took this argument even further, calling House Democrats impeachment unconstitutional. We'll get to that in a second. We'll get to bad takes from the media, and then we'll get to all the important political implications because the left is beclowning itself at the moment. But first, I have got to thank our friends over at Root Insurance. Root Insurance, these guys are really mixing up the game. They are changing the way car insurance is done. Because when you think about car insurance, it's a pretty old model. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I, myself, am a good driver. When I'm driving around, I see a lot of bad drivers. Sometimes I yell things at those bad drivers. Why am I paying higher premiums because of bad drivers? This used to drive me crazy, particularly when I was a, a young man, you know, I was a, a wee little lad, you know, a teenage driver, because I thought, I'm actually a safe driver. I'm not doing all these crazy things that all these other teenage male drivers are. Why am I paying such a higher rate uh, just because of, I don't know, the, the classification that I fall into? Root is changing the game. The way that Root is doing that is because it's charging you insurance rates based on how you actually drive. It can save you up to 52%, and you just download the app You take a little test drive, it will will, uh, measure how you are driving. It will pay attention to how you are driving, and you can do it right now. Give Root a try. Go to the App Store and download the Root Insurance app. Sign up in less than a minute to start your test drive today. That is R-O-O-T. Again, download the Root app today or visit joinroot.com to learn more, see how much you could save. The old insurance model does not make a whole lot of sense. Root is changing the game. They are innovating. Go check them out. Okay. Now, Trump's personal lawyer did not like the arguments that were being put forward here, especially Chuck Schumer's argument. So he came out here and he said, you know, this whole charade is based on seriously unconstitutional, anti-constitutional actions by the House Democrats. Here he is. Senator Schumer said earlier today that the eyes of the founders are on these proceedings. Indeed, that's true. But it is the heart of the Constitution that governs these proceedings. Mr. Schiff also talked about a trifecta. I'll give you a trifecta. During the proceedings that took place before the Judiciary Committee, the president was denied the right to cross-examine witnesses. The president was denied the right to access evidence and the president was denied the right to have council president hearings that's a trifecta a trifecta that violates the constitution of the united states absolutely right and i'm really glad that the the trump lawyers were taking the strategy of of bringing their argument to the american people because i think there's a lot of cynicism in the senate right now i don't think that anyone changed their vote yesterday any of the actual senators i think this was a partisan impeachment vote from the house democrats and it's being viewed as it is which is is merely a partisan political exercise and so the senate is not taking these arguments seriously but the american people the ones who are listening and maybe you're not listening to 13 hours of it but but you might be listening to shows such as mine where we're breaking down the key moments they are paying attention and i think it's an important civics lesson that's coming out the absolute dumbest take on impeachment came not from one of the senators or one of the house impeachment managers it came from Philip Bump, national correspondent for the Washington post, Philip Bump tweeted out quote, imagine a criminal trial in which half the jury was friends with the accused. The accused could ignore subpoenas. And if evidence emerged after the indictment, it wasn't admissible. He's saying this trial, the impeachment trial is so unfair because that's not being conducted in the same way as a, as a criminal trial. Right. Now imagine an Olympic trial that didn't have ski slopes and uniforms. Imagine that kind of trial. It's almost as if there are different sorts of trials. There are different trials. There are sports trials. There are criminal trials. There are impeachment trials. Of course, an impeachment trial is categorically different from any other kind of trial. An impeachment trial is inherently political there is no sort of impeachment trial in which a large portion of the jury is not going to be friends with the accused because the senators are the jury we have different rules for these different kinds of trials to conflate the two to try to make it seem like trump is oj here or something that he's in a regular old criminal trial is just either insincere which is what i suspect it is or profoundly profoundly ignorant Either way, Washington Post, democracy dies in darkness is really living up to its motto. It's actually pushing the motto straight forward ahead. Beyond impeachment. Obviously, we, we'll, we'll keep talking about impeachment a little bit. We'll bring you the updates, but I think we've covered most of the important points right now. This is going to go on and on and on. And actually, I've got a new project that we'll be announcing a little bit later, which will help us examine impeachment. But I want to move to the political side here for 2020, because impeachment is harming certain presidential candidates. It's harming Elizabeth Warren, who's got to sit in trial. It's harming Bernie Sanders, who's got to sit in the trial. You've got to remember, we're, what, 17 days away now from Iowa? This is crucial campaign time, and this impeachment trial is dragging it out, really hurting their campaigns. The big winner in all of it is Joe Biden, because Joe Biden doesn't have to sit on the jury anymore because Joe Biden is no longer in the Senate. Part of me wonders if the whole reason they're dragging this out and the Democrats are so insistent on having a long impeachment trial is just because they're desperate to steal the Democratic nomination from Bernie Sanders again and it's the whole Democratic establishment that's trying to steal it. Hillary Clinton now is throwing a whole lot of shade at Bernie. You would think she would uh, content herself with stealing the election from him last time, but no, she's going further. She's going after him again. In a new documentary, Hillary Clinton says that Bernie got nothing done, quote, in his career, and that he is a, quote, career politician. She goes on, she was, she was asked if she would endorse Bernie Sanders if he got the nomination, and she refused to do it. She said, I'm not going to go there yet. We're still in a very vigorous primary season. I will say, however, that it's not only him, it's the culture around him. It's his leadership team. It's his prominent supporters. It's his online Bernie bros, and their relentless attacks on lots of his competitors, particularly the women. So she's saying she might not endorse him. This is almost certainly going to help Bernie. (laughs) Nothing like being attacked by Hillary Clinton to make your approval ratings go up. Hillary Clinton is the woman who let Trump win. Hillary Clinton is the woman who failed to stop Donald Trump. And she's the woman who stole the nomination from Bernie Sanders in 2016. She's over. This will help Bernie. This will help him with the base. It'll help him with his base in particular. This is also going to help Trump because what this does to have Hillary Clinton come out and more or less call Bernie Sanders, or at least his supporters, misogynists, anti-woman, sexist, is to deprive her previous attacks of Trump, on Trump, of credibility. It takes away the credibility that she had when she said Trump and his supporters are deplorable and irredeemable. Remember that in 2016, she said, these Trump supporters, they're no ordinary conservatives. They're deplorable. They're irredeemable. Trump is a racist, sexist, thisist, thatist. Okay, you can level that, you can throw that kind of attack at somebody, but if you throw that kind of attack at everybody, then it no longer has any power. If Bernie Sanders is a misogynist, if Bernie Sanders is a deplorable, then nobody is a deplorable. Then Hillary Clinton is just a bitter woman who's willing to absolutely malign and slander anybody who tries to get in the way of her ambition. Uh, It's gonna backfire again as so many things that Hillary Clinton does. Now, in Hillary's defense, I never thought I would utter those three words next to one another. In Hillary's defense, Bernie Sanders is a stone-cold communist, okay? This guy is a radical. He was around St. Petersburg when he felt it was time for a change. He was probably personal friends with Karl Marx. Bernie Sanders and his supporters are pushing into the extremes of American politics. And there is a new video out from James O'Keefe at Project Veritas showing a Sanders field organizer, another Sanders field organizer, not the one they they interviewed last time calling for violent revolution defending the soviet union defending the gulags i kid you not some seriously wicked stuff we'll get to that we'll get to warren's latest ridiculous pandering she wants the cabinet when when elizabeth warren is elected president to be half female which is really outrageous of her to assume the gender of her future cabinet secretaries Abs- not woke at all Liz. We will get to more fake feminism from the left, some great stuff from President Trump at Davos, and by the way, some new projects I want to announce. We told you yesterday a little bit, I've got this new project, The Book Club, over at PragerU. This is a show once a month that's going to come out. We're going to examine some of the greatest books ever written, some of the books that you need to read to understand our culture. I think we have a little clip of it right now. The first episode is out. As of yesterday, I interviewed Dennis Prager, the man himself, about Viktor Frankl's incredible, wonderful book, Man's Search for Meaning. Here's a little clip. But I learned from him that the greatest human need,
1: more than sex, so this supplants Freud, Mm -hmm. and more than economics, this supplants Marx, is meaning. You can be poor... You can be sexless,
0: but if you have meaning, you can be happy. This is what he But you could be rich and have sex, no meaning, no happy. All right. I'm, you know, I was a little skeptical of that lesson when I was in my wayward youth, when I was a young teenage Michael, but it's absolutely correct. And there's so much more to take out of that book. So check that out right now and get it on YouTube and over PragerU. We'll have another cool new project that we're going to announce at the end of the show today because really i just aspire to be the the ryan seacrest of conservatism i just want to be working all the time so will will announce that other project a little bit later uh... before we head over to the break i just want to talk a little bit about the pro-life cause an issue obviously that has been at the center of our cultural battles for a very long time if you are tuned into the news you're aware just how obscene the other side has become in this they now shout their abortions on TV. They call pre-born babies parasites. You might remember last year, our very own Ben Shapiro fought back against this. He streamed his show live from the March for Life in D.C., which is the biggest pro-life rally in the country, and he gave a uh, really great speech to the crowds there for the cause. What you might not know is how much grief this caused uh, all of us from the pro-abortion movement. Our advertisers were targeted by left-wing fake media watchdogs, political operatives, And uh, some of them pulled their ads from our programs. This was not the first time, and very likely won't be the last time that we were attacked in an attempt to shut down uh, pro-life voices. We're not the only targets. Live action is one of the the most important voices in the pro-life movement. They do incredible work in that space, raising awareness and uh, pushing education on the abortion issue uh, to undercover videos that expose Planned Parenthood and uh, other abortion clinics for their horrific... Rights abuses. They have been banned live action from advertising on Twitter over uh, their calls to defund Planned Parenthood. They've been banned from Pinterest altogether for, quote, spreading medical misinformation, you know, that babies are babies. They've also seen their advertising efforts and their online distribution restricted depending on the platform. That's why our DailyWire.com members are so important. Your membership helps us say no to advertisers when they cave to left wing ideologies you keep our pro-life message from being canceled and uh, you instead help it grow louder. That is why from now until January 31st, a portion of any dailywire.com membership will be donated to live action with the promo code live action. Easy enough to remember to support this important issue. So uh, head on over, do that right now. Dailywire.com, you get the promo code live action, help support life. All right, head on over. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Hillary might be arsenic, but Bernie Sanders is cyanide, and she has a point. You know, the guy is a real radical, and his ideology is extraordinarily dangerous. New video out from James O'Keefe. Undercover shows a Sanders field organizer calling for violent revolution and defending the gulags. Here he is. I always said, you
2: know, I'm a communist. I'm ready to start tearing bricks up and start fighting. I'm not afraid. I'm no no cop, bro. I'll straight up, I'll straight up get armed. I want to learn how to shoot and go train. I'm ready for the revolution, bro. He Guillotine the rich. So, do we just seize, do we just dissolve we the Senate, House of Representatives, the United branch, and have somebody like Bernie Sanders and a cabinet of people make all the decisions for the climate? I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. What will help is when we send all the Republicans to the re-education. <laughs> Can you imagine Mitch McConnell? Oh, God, he wouldn't survive a day. Graham. I realize they're founded as re-education Right. The first gulag that was opened, have you heard about the Belomark Canal? People came from America to work in the Bellamore Canal for the Soviet project, the communist project. Wow. It's a
0: beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone actually defend the gulags, but now I have from one of Bernie Sanders' employees. Candidates, politicians cannot be held responsible for every kooky thing that every one of their extremist supporters says. One of their fringe guys. However, this isn't just some fringe guy who happens to be supporting Bernie. This is an employee of the Bernie Sanders campaign. This is a Bernie Sanders field organizer. And by the way, I would even give Bernie a little leeway here too because campaigns sometimes attract wacky people. But now we're seeing a pattern. This is two field organizers in, what, two weeks, three weeks, who have been caught saying really extreme, radical things, and in this case, calling for violent revolution, re-education, gulags in America. That is some seriously wicked stuff, and I suspect the rot starts at the very top of that campaign, because Bernie Sanders, the kind of goofy old codger that he is, might seem harmless and and even somewhat endearing. He's got that funny voice, and he's got his funny finger that he wags in the air. This is a guy who honeymooned in the Soviet Union, the evil empire, a slave state that enslaved half the world behind the Iron Curtain. And he couldn't wait to get over there. He honeymooned there, he took his shirt off, he swilled vodka, and he sang communist folk songs. This is a guy who's defended the worst regimes on planet Earth of his entire lifetime. This is a guy whose sole mission in the American government is to make our governments more closely resemble these tyrannies like the Soviet Union and Castro's Cuba and elsewhere. This is a man who explicitly defended bread lines. It is wicked, wicked, wicked stuff. I'm reminded of Pope Leo XIII who assailed socialism, not because it was economically inefficient or at least not merely because it was economically inefficient, but because it was evil. He called it evil. He called it a wicked confederacy. He said it steals the very gospel itself. He said it ought to be, it was a plague. It was a pest. It has to be resisted utterly. And I think we need to start speaking of socialism in those kind of moral terms as well. And we, we ought to speak of the people who push socialism and communism in this case uh, in, in those same stark moral terms. Now only slightly less radical is Elizabeth Warren. She's the establishmentarian socialist. She's the one who's who you can bring home to mom. Elizabeth Warren's campaign is flailing, all right? She had this choice early on in 2020, which was because she lies effortlessly. She lies out speaks out of both sides of her mouth. She speaks with forkéd tongue, you might say. She had to decide whether or not she was going to go for Joe Biden's supporters or for Bernie Sanders' supporters? Is she going to be the moderate who's got some Midwest appeal? Or is she going to be the radical socialist candidate? And she made her choice. She was going to go for Bernie's supporters. It was a pretty dumb choice because Joe Biden doesn't really have a base of support. He doesn't have strong support. Bernie Sanders does. He has fanatical supporters like that wacko that we just saw on camera. So it, it didn't work out. Her campaign, which was once sl- uh, headed to be the nominee, I mean, she, was, she had all the momentum in the race, It has now collapsed, and so she's pandering even more. She's now promising to appoint a half-female cabinet if elected. Here's what Liz Warren said, quote, Our government officials can best serve the American public when they reflect the diversity of the country itself. The federal government does a dismal job on diversity and inclusion. The share of Latinas in the federal workforce is about half that of the entire workforce. So hold on, I just want to pause there for a second. That means that Latinas have jobs in the private sector, which pay more and are way better and more fulfilling. And they're not just all bureaucrats. And somehow in Liz Warren's mind, that's a bad thing. Anyway, moving on, she says, even though black women are disproportionately represented in the federal workforce, they are nearly absent from its leadership ranks. White workers make up nearly 80% of the senior civil service, despite making up only 63% of the overall federal workforce. What she says she's going to do is build a cabinet and senior leadership team that reflects the full diversity of America, including at least 50% of cabinet positions filled by women and non-binary people. She caught herself. You see that? The headline is it's going to be half female, but she caught herself because if, if the cabinet were half female, she would not be woke enough because what about people who like to pretend that they're neither male nor female? What about people who think that they're both male and female or nothing at all or any of the other 56 imaginary genders? So she says that half of them are going to be uh, female or non-binary. But if they're half female or non-binary, then they're not half female. It seems like women would still be slightly underrepresented. Then you have all of the other racial and identity politics statistics. I was waiting for her to tell us the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow. It's just random statistics about demographics being regurgitated. What does that have to do with how America looks? What does that have to do with the real makeup of America? I mean, what does it even mean to have a government that looks like America? Elizabeth Warren and the left broadly just misunderstands the point of representative government. The point of representative government is that we are free to elect our representatives using our free will and our faculties of reason. If we were going to have a president that looks like America... I guess we would never have a black president again, right? Black, black Americans make up 12% of the population. So if you wanted to have a president that looked like America, he he could be at most 12% black, right? So you'd never have a black. Does that mean we can't, we can't elect? It was a mistake to elect Obama. Well, I think it was a mistake to elect Obama, but not because of his race. Of course, that's not what it means. Does it mean uh, the majority of Americans are women? Women are, the, are most of the population. So does that mean we can never have a male president again? I guess Bernie, Biden, Buttigieg, they've just all got to drop out. That means we can certainly never have a gay president. Homosexuals make up a small minority of the population. Obviously, we're never going to have a transsexual president. We can't, if, if we want a president that simply reflects, what, the majority of what Americans look like in terms of their skin color or their sexual preferences or their biological sex, should we just peg representation in government to racial and sexual demographics? Well, if we do that, we don't even have to vote, do we? Because we know, okay, uh, 12% of America is black, 51 52% are women, uh, 3% are gay, uh, what, 0.03% are transsexual. So we're just going to, those, those are the important categories. Never mind how we arrive at which categories to pick, or how about ideological categories? Are we going to include people who are conservative or liberal or socialist? Regardless of how you slice it, it gets rid of the entire purpose of representative government, which is our free will and our faculties of reason to vote. If you just had a government that looked like America, nobody would vote because you would just pick a few statistics and put them up there. Voting could undermine the demographics because what if a Hispanic voter votes for a black candidate. Well, that would, that would mess up the, the demographics of people who look like America. There are, those are two different visions. The one vision says, we want a representative government, meaning we want people to use their brains, use their free will to pick the representatives that they want. That's what the conservatives say. What the left says is, your brain doesn't matter. Your free will doesn't matter. You probably shouldn't have free will anyway. <laughs> I mean, if you ask that Bernie Sanders field organizer, and really, the the core of our identity is in our skin color and in our genitals. So forget about voting. We'll just we'll just look at the census and uh, pick a, a government based on those characteristics. That's that's an ugly view of representative government, and I think increasingly it's it's uh, viewed to be incoherent. But the left is always incoherent on these racial politics and on sexual politics, too. I I bring up this example of a tweet about Melania Trump, not simply because there's a photo of Melania Trump there, and she's a very beautiful and graceful woman, and I like to look at it, but because it shows you the fake feminism of the left. Melania Trump, just a few days ago, tweeted out, quote, it is a great honor to serve the people of this incredible country. Hashtag inauguration day. 2017. And it was a picture of Melania at the inauguration. And she looked great. And it was a wonderful day to remember. Then uh, some random blue checkmark on Twitter, Jeffrey Guterman tweeted out, quote, to her directly, you are disgusting for marrying a bastard. That was one of the nicer responses on Twitter. Kaj Eric Erickson, who's an actor and a blue check mark, tweeted out, do you think it's weird that your husband wants to have sex with his daughter? It's disgusting. Imagine, imagine speaking that way to a woman, especially if you're a man, especially a woman you don't know. Imagine just walking up to a woman and saying that to a stranger. How disgusting. What a disgusting person you have to be. How ashamed of yourself you should be for that. Then there were a bunch of tweets calling her a hooker, calling her trash, calling her all sorts of horrible things. Melania Trump, who is a vision not merely of of physical beauty, which she obviously is. She was a model, but she's got a lot of grace. She's conducted herself as first lady with a lot of class. She speaks, what, five languages? I mean, she's a role model. She is a really a really graceful woman. It's not just Melania who gets it. Kellyanne Conway, too, has been a target. Some uh, Democratic ex-congressional candidate named Pam Keith decided to, just out of the blue, call Kellyanne Conway ugly on Twitter. This is someone who is running for public office in the united states she said can you believe kellyanne is 53 today i turned 51 in november and i'm not even wearing a drop of makeup the implication being that kellyanne conway is just absolutely hideous and this this random woman pam keith is is so physically beautiful which the the premise of her tweet was not correct let's leave it at that but even if it were i mean let's say that this woman pam keith were a supermodel and let's say that kellyanne conway really were unattractive. What's, who says that to somebody? Who would say that to a woman? That's, that's building women up, right? No. The left is so, so disingenuous on women's issues. Whatever you think of Donald Trump, whatever you think of conservatives, whatever you think of Republicans, Melania Trump and Kellyanne Conway are two of the most impressive women in the country. Kellyanne Conway is the first woman to ever run a major party presidential campaign. I think she's the on, the only woman ever to do that. She's certainly the only woman to ever run a successful presidential campaign. This woman rose up the ranks. She is really good at her job. Melania Trump succeeded as a model. She's obviously physically very beautiful, but she's just been diplomatic in her role. She speaks five languages. How many languages do you speak? How many languages does Pam Keith speak? She's an immigrant. You know, the left is always talking about how, how much they love immigrants. How about you start with Melania Trump? So disingenuous. And it's and you even see it from so-called male feminists, the creepiest creature on the planet. It's, it's so disingenuous. And, and they're always prattling on about it. They're always talking about it. I think they're always talking about it because they're projecting. So when they say that conservatives hate women, conservatives are, are mean to women, I, I think they're projecting their own behaviors and their own their own inclinations. And we should not let them do it for even two seconds. Before we go, I got to point out that President Trump just actually absolutely wrecked the elites at Davos uh, over the past week. So you have the World Economic Forum. This is this gross, elitist, increasingly irrelevant forum that uh, goes on, brings in a lot of world leaders, though fewer and fewer show up. President Trump gave a speech there, and it was a triumphant speech. It was a victory speech. It was a speech that said, hey, I showed up here a few years ago and I told you everything we were gonna do, and you all laughed at me. Well, who's laughing now?
1: We've regained our stride, rediscovered our spirit, and reawakened the powerful machinery of American enterprise. America is thriving. America is flourishing, and yes, America is winning again like never before. Just last week alone, the United States concluded two extraordinary trade deals. The agreement with China and the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement, the two biggest trade deals ever made. They just happened to get done in the same week.
0: Big, big win. I mean, it reminds me of when Nigel Farage showed up to the EU after the Brexit vote. So this is the British representative, very pro-Brexit. And he came there and he said, you know, I told you people a little while ago that pretty soon the United Kingdom would leave the European Union and you all laughed at me. Well, who's laughing now? This was President Trump's who's laughing now moment because so many of these elites who insist that they know how to run the world and they can run our lives better than you and I can, they mocked this man mercilessly. They said the sky was going to fall if he got elected, L- literally in some cases. We'll get to what President Trump said about the environment at Davos. We'll try to get to that tomorrow. But they certainly thought the economy was going to collapse. They said the markets are going to fall. We're going to have wars. We're, and what happened? The opposite. This guy has run the United States and and therefore run the world in many ways much better than all of these liberal elites. Who's laughing now? I think you and I are. That's who who is. Before we go to, I have got to announce a a very exciting new project. We've been keeping this a little bit under wraps. You'll notice that I'm in Washington, D.C. this week. In part, that's because I'm excited to go hang out at the March for Life this weekend. But the reason I came in early is because we are launching a new project with Senator Ted Cruz. That is a new podcast called Verdict with Ted Cruz. Cruz. I will be co-hosting that project with the senator. We were up until three or four in the morning last night because the impeachment hearings were, the impeachment trial was going on and on and on. And at about, I don't know, 1.30 or 2 o'clock, finally things wrapped up over at the Capitol. And we got a call from the senator, and he headed straight from the capitol, straight from the impeachment trial, to our studio. We recorded a 25-minute episode, the first episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz. We're going to be doing that every single night of the impeachment trial. We're not just going to be talking about impeachment, though. Uh, The senator is going to be breaking down the biggest issues in, in the news, in our politics, in our government. Uh, nobody is closer to it, obviously, than Senator Ted Cruz. And he really is one of the most brilliant political and legal minds in the country. So it's it's just such a wonderful opportunity for me to be able to learn from him and and get an insider look at what's going on in impeachment and in our government. And I hope that it's a, a fun opportunity for everybody else. So make sure to go listen to that. It's on Spotify and YouTube right now. It will be going up on Apple Podcasts momentarily. But head over, subscribe right now on Spotify and YouTube to Verdict with Ted Cruz, and we will see you later on. And then after another night of no sleep, we'll be back right here tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Director, Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and Makeup, Jesua Olvera. Production Assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.
2: On The Matt Walsh Show, we're not just discussing politics. We're talking culture, faith, family, all of the
0: things that are really important to you. So come join the conversation.